Hello and welcome to the Telltale Podcast with me, your host, Kayla Goldsmith. This episode, I speak with Natasia Chrysanthos, education reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald. At only 26, her journey so far has been filled with a lot of experiences that she was kind enough to share in this episode. We talked all about the journalism industry, taking a gap year, the changing nature of journalism, and how she's dealt with writing about education in one of the most unprecedented times due to the pandemic. Before we begin, I'd love for you all to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram, our username is at the Telltale Podcast, and I'll link it down below in the description. Feel free to also answer the question I popped up on Spotify. So with that, let's get right into it. Finally got you on here, um, which is awesome because, um, yeah, I've read some of your articles before and I thought, you know, everything that you kind of cover and talk about is really topical for this podcast. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on here. You're very welcome. (laughs) So I'd love to start us off by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone that doesn't really know. Yes. So um, basic details is my name is Natasha. I am an education reporter um, at the Sydney Morning Herald, um, which means I guess everyone kind of does a a range of of journalism. um, But in particular, I focus on education, um, which is, you know, schools and then a bit of universities and childcare. But also... um, Especially these days, I think because so much has changed in the last 24 months or so, mm-hmm. um, focusing more on young people as well, not yeah. always in the school context, um, uh, you know, has been increasingly important. So yeah. that's what I cover. I'm 26 and I've yep. been working there for about the last three years. That's awesome. Um, you're, you're still so young as well. So, I mean, to be at such a reputable um, kind of, you know, um, media company is really awesome as well. So kudos for that. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, um, something that is really, um, I think, um, great about the kind of articles that you cover is that you do represent young voices and you do have those kind of opinion pieces that allow young people to have their say, um, which is is really important as well, I think, um, and Mm. quite impactful too. Um, So, you know, personally, I'm quite interested to know, you know, where did your interest in journalism first stem from? So, um, yeah, I never really had an, an early interest in journalism. When yeah. I was at school, um, I actually really hated English as a subject. I really mm. hated writing. I didn't think I was very good at it. Um, yeah. So journalism was never something that I ever thought, you know, ever had interest in. Yeah. Um, and then when I started university, I started studying um, like law and psychology, which were the kind of things that I thought I would enjoy psychology, psychology specifically. Yes. Um, and then in my first year, very quickly, I figured out that nothing was really clicking or I just wasn't interested. So I took a, time, a bit of time off uni, um, yeah. had a, a very impromptu gap year. <laughs> and then when I when it came time to re-enroll and try something else um I think I'd started engaging just a bit more in news and current affairs at that point as well because I was out of school Mm -hmm. um and I I guess I looked around at the the people that I admired or thought had really 
cool jobs or um, interesting opinions on things. And a lot of them were journalists. So then I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. Mm. Um, started it at, I started it, I was at University of Sydney first and I started journalism at UNSW. Then I dropped it because um, I decided, no, I don't like this very much. And then I had a yeah. change card and I was like, no, I'm going to persevere. So I then started a new journalism course at Sydney University. <laughs> uh, and then, so, and then, you know, after doing it for a little while, um, I think it wasn't until like my second or third final year um, that I actually kind of started enjoying it or was more serious about pursuing it. So it was a very slow cleat, um, oh. but I guess it came from, yeah, trying to look at the kind of qualities or values I admired in other people mm. um, and what they had done with their careers. That's really interesting, actually, um, in the way that you were able to kind of apply that into um, finding out what you wanted to do personally. I'm quite interested to hear as well, you know, with that gap year that you took, how do you feel that um, that kind of helped you with kind of figuring out what you wanted to do? Because I, I know that a lot of people are quite tentative sometimes about taking a gap year mm. um, and, you know, will just continue a course that they hate. And that can actually be damaging sometimes. So I'd love for you to kind of um, explain like how you felt about that gap year and, and if you would kind of recommend it to any other young people. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it was the best thing that I did for myself at the time. And it mm. wasn't something that anyone, you know, in my family or any of my cousins had ever done. Yeah. So, And it wasn't anything that any of my school friends were doing either. Mm. Um, but I think I just got to the point at the end of the first semester of uni, I was falling asleep in lectures, like, and, you know, leaving lines, <laughs> trailing down my notebook. Yeah. And I remember trying to really convince my mum, but just like, oh, you know, I'm so unhappy. I'm really not enjoying this. Mm. Um, I think I need a break. And I wanted to travel. So I, um, I'd worked, you know, casual jobs through high school and stuff. I had a bit of money. Yeah. Um, I worked a couple more months and then in that second semester I um, just did, you know, my first backpacking trip by myself, wow. um, which looking back, I don't know how I did it at 18 because it seems very scary, but 18-year-olds <laughs> do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um, and that was really, I think that was really good just in like building confidence, opening your eyes a little bit because you can be so sheltered up until that point. Mm. Um, and, and just exposure to the different kind of things that you could do outside of you know what your parents might have done or, or what you see around you because this was another thing is like no one I had ever known had even talked about journalism let alone being a journalist so it yeah. wasn't anything that was even in my um I guess frame of reference or whatever um okay. and so it was just exploring a little bit you know and, and working casually meeting different people um and traveling that that expanded what what was possible or what I could be interested in mm. um but I think it was just also a really um I would I would firmly advocate a gap year just to have a break do something different mm. you know and, and it's so much learning in terms of like social learning and learning about yourself and really yeah. putting yourself out of your comfort zone in a way that um you really wouldn't have done before um and then I kind of I kept like took little breaks throughout uni because I ended up enjoying it so much mm. so I would firmly advocate for that balance yeah no that's really awesome um yeah. and as well you know that gap year as well it's such a cultural experience I guess and as you said you know we're usually as like young people we're quite sheltered up until the point when we have the kind of liberty and freedom to go out and explore the world on our own and yeah. so having that kind of hands-on practical experience like 
in other places that you wouldn't normally go I think is really valuable as well yeah and the freedom that you find yourself with all of a sudden like you know Mm. if you've been living at home and I at least had like um quite strict parents to an extent so yeah. it was wild um but it was yeah. very exciting it sounds awesome yeah. yeah so I mean how did you acquire your first journalist position I'm not sure if this was acquired you know on your gap year or after but what yeah. was it like as well so I ended up starting at the Sydney Morning Herald as a cadet journalist mm. I, I'll just give like a little bit of a picture yeah um, and so in terms of people wanting to get into journalism, like, you know, the major, major media companies, this, you know, like the News Corp papers, Fairfax mm. papers um, and ABC at yeah. least do these regular, some of them are every year, ABC is every year, um, Fairfax at the moment is like every four years mm. um, offering these cadet ships which yeah. take a bunch of people who don't need a lot of media experience, young people, mm-hmm. um, and they put you through a year of training. So I was, in terms of what you said before about working at such a kind of um, prestigious paper at my age, yeah. I'm very, very lucky um, that that opportunity came up when I was about, I think, when I was 23. Wow. Um, and... I had, you know, a, a little bit of experience under my belt, but more more to learn than anything else. Mm. Um, and it was a like it was a huge three stage process, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's very competitive. But that's how I got to this job. But mm. before that, um, I think I started, um, you know, internships are a big thing in the media industry. Mm. Um, and you know, it's hard because not everyone can take a break from work or, um, or whatnot to do those. Yeah. Um, so I started with what I fit around work. I think my first proper internship, um, was at a magazine, a local magazine called Chow Magazine, C-I-A-O, mm. like the Italian Chow, based <laughs> in Lycos. Yeah. Um, and it was a community publication that was coming out, you know, once a fortnight, um, just free on coffee tables and stuff yeah. uh, around the inner west in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So I started an internship there, which was just, you know, one day a week writing little little um, bits for the paper as needed. Um, but I could sit in the office, which was, you know, just a couple of people, yeah, see how it worked. Um, so that was my first kind of exposure to actually working in any any form of media company. And then how it happened was um, there were a lot of because obviously, you know, local print publications have been so squeezed. Mm. Um, and I think the, the girl who was editing, who was only a year or two older than me at university, she quit to go take a, you know, local paper job um, in wow. Western New South Wales um, the publisher was moving to Melbourne. They were changing to monthly and she was like, well, we need an editor. Do you want to do it? Um, <laughs> so I went straight from intern to editor. That's um, crazy. Tells you something about, um, you know, local, local media. Um, mm. But it was really great experience. So I was then kind of putting this issue together every month. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, I had that just earlier that year as well, I just pitched a couple of articles um, that I had written through university or, or just thought of um, to, 
you know, other publications like Junkie, actually. Yeah. That's the first thing I ever got published mm. um, was an explainer on like an East Timor conflict in, um, that I'd written for university as yeah. if it were to be published in Junkie. And then I was like, well, actually, what the hey, why don't I just send it to them? <laughs> um, and then um, I, I had one other, one or two other things published in um, a literary journal called Overland, not the magazine, um, but just an online article that, you know, I got paid $100 for or something. I think that was the first thing I got properly paid for. Wow. Um, and then, you know, those little things. Then at my university, at Sydney University, you know, for final year media students um, or close to their final year, yeah. they have international fellowship opportunities mm. where you can go and work for a um, uh, international newspaper for a month and they give you you know a grant to help you fund that so that was something I kind of set my eye on Mm. um and it was something that I really wanted to do so I accumulated enough kind of evidence in terms of just these small published articles and they weren't amazing but it just showed that that I was interested and um you know had a base level of uh, aptitude and so that was enough for me to get one of those positions so then I spent a month um, in Dubai working at their major newspaper. Awesome. And then when I came back from that, just coincidentally, um, someone had quit the like editorial board of the university student newspaper mm. and someone asked me if I wanted to join that and I wasn't very sure because I was very busy because I was editing this other local publication as yeah. well. <laughs> um, but I said yes to that. I ended up dropping, you know, my uni down to one subject for that year. Mm. And I did both of those things at the same time. Um, and so I think by that point, I just accumulated, you know, a bit of hodgepodge experience. Yeah. Um, but then when these SMH jobs came up, you know, my, my portfolio had just enough in it. Um, to get me over the line for that job. So it was really a gradual accumulation mm. of experience. Um, but I think it all starts with pitching your first article and just going out on a limb. And I also then after, you know, my first one got published, it was so exciting. So I wanted to keep going and I published more <laughs> articles and, yeah. and all my pitches got rejected and I was so sad and I wanted to give up. But yeah. I think what's important is that you just, especially when you're in uni and you're young and you've got nothing to lose, just like try, try, try. And every article that you get out there, A, you're going to learn from and B, is going to be something that will be in your portfolio that will help you with the next step and the next step. Yeah, 100%. That's what I was kind of just going to touch on, you know, all of that experience definitely kind of built up your resume as well. So it really with um, getting that kind of top job because, like, even if it, you know, in itself is, like, a small, like, local newspaper, that's still experience that you have under your belt and that can, you know, differentiate you between – you know, yourself or, or someone else that doesn't have that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing um, that I underestimated and it wasn't until, you know, my final year when someone said, hey, do you want to join this editing team? There's a flex. Yeah. But um, getting involved in your student newspapers or radio station or whatever it is mm. early in the piece because their literal job is just to publish students, you know. The standards yeah. aren't quite as high, but that's good if you're only writing your first pieces. Mm. Um and, and they'll say yes more often than they'll say no or there'll be students there who can help, you know, help you build your skills. Yeah. Um, and they've got the time and resources to do that and it's, you know, it's a low-risk 
um, starting point, but that's mm. one if you're at university that's that's super accessible, even more so than these local publications. Which so the one that I've that I worked for that Chow magazine that's yeah. finished now as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got to find the opportunities that still mm. exist. University publications and stuff are a really good way to start because they yeah. exist for you to practice essentially. For sure. And I mean, as well, I guess the networking opportunities that you probably got from that as well, like with other students that are studying the same thing or studying similar yeah, areas, absolutely. getting to kind of bounce off. It's kind of like um, a great learning experience, I guess. Yeah, 100%. And I was also really shy my first few years of uni. Like I didn't really immerse myself in university experience. I went in mm. for a class and then I drove straight home. Um, yeah. And I focused more on my part-time work because that was what I really enjoyed just at a, at a bookshop that I worked at since I was in year 10 at school love that. Um, yeah love bookshops so that was my real that was like what I really loved and then uni was kind of you know I was doing a few hours a week on the side but it meant I never really bothered to make friends or anything mm. um and it was amazing by this final year where I just had to make friends with people because I was working with them on the student newspaper all of a sudden yeah. like the number of people I met um and who I still like some of them I work with now today um or they're working at other media organizations it's really not yeah for networking and also just like friendship and yeah inspired by the young people around you because you know your peers have great ideas and if there's an opportunity to get involved and collaborate with them like you're not going to get get that again where you have so much creativity 100 percent. that's really awesome to hear I love that whole story it kind of went from like you know zero to 100 and, and it was it was kind of like a, a journey I felt like I was listening yeah. to the story there but yeah it was awesome um yeah, and it was over a couple of years but yeah um, yeah it builds and I think it's just divine timing almost <laughs> yeah yeah part of it I think is luck but like yeah it's just putting yourself like I kind of wish yeah. that I did that years earlier just because I would have had more friends um mm. but no it all worked out in the end <laughs> So, I mean, initially, you know, coming straight out of university and into the world of journalism, mm. I'm quite interested to hear, you know, if you ever felt intimidated by more senior journalists or were you quite comfortable? Because I know you did have experience beforehand, but, you know, jumping, you know, from what you were doing before into like um, with Sydney Morning Herald, which is mm. really quite a big, um, big paper. Um, what was that experience like? And, and did you feel comfortable, as I said before? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the way that I started and then... And there are other people I work with now who are my age who kind of got in through different ways. Yeah. Um, but the way that I started in this cadetship, like it was a really structured program. So I mm. think we were lucky in that, you know, they got um, all the senior journalists to come talk to us and give us little spiels on their careers, you know, in a kind of similar way to this and their advice for working at the organisation. So there was a lot of support and collegiality in those yeah early stages that you know it wasn't so much the other I guess the more senior people were intimidating as they were people to to learn from and listen to how they take their phone calls and stuff like Mm. that um but what I think what is intimidating is when so the way that this cadet program for example is structured is that you rotate around different sections yeah so you do like breaking news business um you know state news um sport lifestyle and whatnot and yeah. so you get to the business desk and you have to write an article about superannuation and call all of these chief executives of, of superannuation firms and you to be honest don't know a lot about superannuation <laughs> that yeah. was the stuff that was like a real learning curve and was very intimidating at the time mm. um 
you know, and I'll still get to points where I, you know, interview people who are much older and much wiser and much like very experienced in a particular field. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, I guess you just ask questions and then, and then understand as much as you can and, and um, do your research and ask, you know, the senior colleagues around you. But yeah, yeah starting out, it's, I think it's those topic areas that were actually the most mm. And then I ended up, you know, put on sport <laughs> and they were like, oh, great, you know, um, AFLW season starting Love it. this week, that's yours. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Um, I've never watched a game of AFL in my life at that point. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm there writing a match report of an AFLW game. Mm. Um, and then, you know, going to these games and sitting in the media boxes with these seasoned <laughs> AFL writers Yeah. Um, when I really didn't know um what was happening or how much a goal was worth at that point mm. um yes that was very intimidating yeah um, I mean you you'd know. have to have stepped out of your comfort zone a lot in that process but it probably would have been really helpful I guess in learning and, and getting more comfortable I guess with the rhythm and nature of it I guess yeah yeah and it, it slowly builds and I wouldn't say I'm there yet but I don't know that anyone you know ever yeah been there for decades so 100% but I mean you know kind of um, how you said it was kind of you rotated around you know different kind of sections mm. um, is that how you kind of found your passion I guess for writing about education or, or your interest in writing about it um, or had you always kind of been interested in writing about education for a, for a while I guess yeah sure um, I so how it worked was that again it was just a vacancy they all had they had to put us somewhere at the end of mm. the year um, and then the previous education reporter it was kind of time for her to, to move on to something different okay. um, and I had I started writing education articles and kind of filling in a bit um, I think I you know I was doing well in that round and I was really enjoying it um, so mm-hmm. I got I got slot in there um, and I think education is like I, I used to do a lot of you know English teaching and stuff yeah. um, and it, it's something that I'm really passionate about just in general so I think it's a nice um, I guess a nice way to combine something that you care about writing about um, yeah. with with a job as a journalist, and I don't think it'll be something, you know, like usually you stay on these rounds for a few years, um, yeah. and then move on to something different. But it's certainly been a really great place to yeah. start, and there's a lot of um, a lot to write about. And I also I do really enjoy um, talking to students as part of it. I think that's a lot more fun than you get you know to do in some other rounds yeah and I mean you've been doing an amazing job so it's it's great to have journalists like you that um are kind of you know representing our our voices and everything like that thanks (laughs) so um you know I guess this kind of links on to the next question that I did have for you which was you know what was it like kind of learning to match the fast-paced rhythm of journalism and you know producing writing of quality with Mm. I guess only a relatively short amount of time because you know you're you're pumping out these articles really mm. quite quickly, you know, especially at the moment, you know, with COVID and HSC and everything that's been mm. happening with that. It's it's been so unexpected and uncertain. So what has that been like for you? And you know, how have you been able to kind of, I guess, navigate it? Yeah, sure. Um, I remember actually in one of the early early job interviews um, for this or. I, th- I think it was for this. One of the yeah. um, editors asked, was like, oh, there's a breaking news story." Um, you know, how how long before you get me 
the story. Yeah. You know, like something's happened. I need you to write it like how long before, um, before it's on my desk. And I was mm. like, ah, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> because I think one of the things you like, and especially me, who was always quite scared of writing, you're like, oh, it takes such a long time. You have to be perfect. You know, it's a, it's a yeah. hard process. And so I was like, oh, okay. Breaking news. I was like, oh, 15, 15 minutes. And she was like, can you do it in five? And I was like, wow. oh, well, <laughs> that's fast. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I quickly found out that's exactly what you need to do, especially when, when stories break. So I think um, one, and we all did time um, on the breaking news desk, which is where, um, you know, if there are car accidents or wild weather, um, I actually ended up, I was a cadet, it was in my first year when it was the Sydney stabbing yeah. um, in the CBD and I was mm. on the breaking news desk. Wow. That day and I had to cover that and that was a real like <laughs> challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I and I just sat at my desk for um I think like 7 hours straight and we ended up doing a live blog but that first like article, you know, and it was only three lines mm. and then we just kept building it and building it and we just do a little more to come in those situations cuz yeah. the most important thing is getting the news out as soon as it's available and mm. then um, expand on it but so yeah. I, stuff like that really helps you practice writing fast for sure um, and then I think just when you're doing it every day as well and you're writing really straight like all of these stories mm. especially in breaking news are just very factual so you're getting your key information um, from police or fire ambulance or um, you know witnesses whoever it is and, and you're just telling it really straight you learn to do that um, very efficiently mm. and so then when it comes to the slightly more complex stories like the COVID stories or you know the new back to school plan um, it's quite it can be a quite frantic day on those days mm. um, but the writing part it almost becomes the the part that's the quickest and the easiest because mm. that's the part that you're most practiced at yeah. um, what often takes longer is getting onto the right people having those conversations writing up those phone calls yeah um, and, and making sense of a situation as best you can in a Definitely. short period of time. Wow. It, it, you're almost like a, an investigative, basically, like, you know, it's kind of like Sherlock Holmes pulling all the pieces together and trying yeah. to, well, to exactly make it, it make sense. Yeah, exactly. It has to be, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because no one's coming, um, especially when, you know. Up with the answers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's like, oh, here's everything you need to yeah. know. Um, you've got to piece those those bits together. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like we get this um, as readers or consumers, we get this, you know, these articles on demand, like super quickly, but you know, there's so much that goes on behind it that mm. we wouldn't see, which is so interesting to hear from you, you know, um, but yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I love, I love that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, um, you know, as we've been speaking about, you're an education reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald, mm-hmm. um, you know. I guess we kind of as well already touched on this, you know, what goes on behind the scenes to get your articles up and running. Mm. I mean, you know, contacting students, contacting teachers, you know, people that, um, you know, are stakeholders, I guess, in the mm. in the kind of um, articles that you're writing. But is there anything else in particular that you'd like to kind of explain to us that um, happens? Yeah, sure. So in terms of, I guess, education, it is really exactly how you say, like, you've got your key your key stakeholders yeah um and so it's like our job to you know maintain relationships with all of those stakeholders and be talking to all of those stakeholders so that we mm. know what's going on um and then when there is a news event um like you know the the whole hsc um 
delay or yeah. the back to school plan um, or even the whole of school back to school plan. Um, you know, sometimes that announcement comes or, or you hear about that announcement and then with these kind of these bread and butter education stories, which is where we get a lot of year 12 students involved as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that is usually, you know, calling all of the different stakeholders, whether they're principals groups, the teachers union, um, the government, etc. And yeah. then, and this is where the student, and I know people get annoyed at, at me sometimes posting in the HSE discussion group. <laughs> uh, I do understand and I do emphasise with um, but there's not necessarily, you know, a, a year 12 student stakeholder group. The same yeah. is for um, private school principals and public school principals and Catholic school principals and teachers mm. and parents and public school parents and, you know, like there yeah. are all like um, concrete stakeholder groups um, across education but students are the ones that don't always have like, you know, you can't put out your policy statement. But yeah. and, and what we've learned this year and last year is that students really do want to talk about it and they do want mm. to have their say. Um, so then that has kind of become a very essential tool during COVID specifically um, to be able to reach as many year 12 students as want to kind of contribute. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then it's our job to kind of try and synthesise what we see that sentiment as. Mm. Um, and, you know, as you know, it's never unified. Not everyone yeah. has some ideas. Sure. Um, but the best we can do is try and reach as many people as possible, you know, as invite as many people um, as are willing to give their perspectives and then try and present it back to um, our readers, mm. you know, as coherently and, and truthfully as possible. Yeah. And I mean, um, in terms of, you know, you being on the HSC discussion group, mm. I, I, that's actually how I kind of, you know, was able to like contact, you know, SMH you know I think it, it yeah, wasn't exactly. yourself I think it was um Jordan Baker I think she, yeah. she was on there but I, I think yeah it we don't have like a kind of there's not really any way that you can kind of contact students except you know kind of those platforms because you know if you go on the HSC discussion group you can you know visibly see many year 12s with their opinions that just really want to be voiced so yeah, I guess exactly. it is kind of the best way to to get in touch with them as well at the same time mm. yeah um and yeah, in terms of, you know, having those opinions and, and showcasing as many voices as possible, I think that's really important because, you know, it, everyone has different opinions, especially on, you know, like cancelling the HSC and, and you know, mm. everything that's going on in the moment. It's it's really kind of dispersed. But yeah, representing as many opinions as possible, I guess, um, is the most, I guess, fair and equitable kind of way to join. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... Um, you know, with the lockdown situ- situation in Sydney, I-, I think you've done personally an incredible job, you know, of amplifying the voices nice of-, <laughs> <laughs> of school staff and students. No, I genuinely mean it, um, you know, to represent the mix of emotions towards the situation. Mm. Um, you know, when you're writing these pieces, do you try to remain unbiased with your writing? I mean, you probably mm. have your own opinions or your own kind of ideas about the topic, but, you know, um, how... Um, do you have to ever navigate, you know, the way that you kind of let your voice kind of seep into mm. your pieces? Um, and, you know, does it come through naturally sometimes by yeah, accident? Sure. Yeah, sure. I guess you've got different styles of, of writing even when you are doing news writing. Like you've yeah. got articles that are just really straight and factual. Mm. Um, you know, like the government said this will happen. Um, yeah. Here is the plan. This is what X said about it. This is what Y said about it. Mm. Um, but other stories aren't as clear cut 
you know, and, and yeah. sometimes there are stories in the controversy and in the fact that people do have so many different opinions. Yeah. Um, I am no longer a student and I don't have kids, so I have yeah. absolutely no stake in education, which is, <laughs> which is helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, what what happens, what, what we have to do is um, communicate and represent the debate where that exists. And I think... And, you know, that's over a range of things in education. It's over, you know, same-sex schooling. It's over ATAR. Mm. Um, you know, it's over, like, inquiry-based learning. Like, it's all this, <laughs> all this different stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think what, I don't know, because we get a lot of feedback from readers and stuff and uh, it's I think it's important for us to, or for it to be known that, you know, this isn't, our perspective yeah um, and sometimes we'll write an article that is really you know that's strong on a certain topic mm. um and it's not necessarily because we think that but it's probably because someone influential thinks that or there's yeah. a local group of people who think that mm. um and all we're doing is is putting those those thoughts out there when it is relevant and newsworthy yeah um and articles they do have to be interesting and persuasive and have a strong you know, a strong angle to be good news articles that people yeah. need to read as well. Mm. Um, and so sometimes part of that is is representing someone's opinion, um, but it is very often um, not our own. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, especially for – and, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, but I feel like, you know, you always try and talk to as many people as possible and yeah. if you're going to have an article that really does strongly advocate one position, well, you know, you try and get some lines from someone else who disagrees. Yeah. Or if it's someone going in and attacking the government, for example, well, then yeah. you send the government questions and you put in their, their rebuttal mm. um, and try and try and be as fair as possible. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, the integrity, it, it definitely has to come through there as well, you know, mm. making sure that it's it's not super like one-sided I guess um so yeah that's really quite interesting to hear um I'm also quite interested to to know you know what is the most challenging part of your work you know there's there, there's definitely many different aspects and and um kind of um mm. I guess aspects to your job um but yeah what's the most challenging part of your work or parts um that you'd yeah, like to sure. know about? um I, I think one thing, and it's kind of on this topic, is mm. that is challenging is, um, you know, the the degree of feedback that you receive sometimes, um, which yeah. is good, you know, and it's like we want to hear what people think about what we're writing. That's very valid, and, and people who are readers and are subscribers have, you know, a right to communicate that. Um, yeah. Sometimes it veers on, on a bit hostile and, and abusive, especially, mm. you know, and that can be hard. Um and I think that's one of the things that I've found personally more difficult mm-hmm. is you're exposed to so many people's, you know, feedback that can feel quite personal at times. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that everyone in the media industry is still navigating because, you know, social media is is, is still changing all the time and the modes mm. of communication change. And, you know, it's not easy to have, you know, hundreds of people um, – <laughs> tweet at you or, yeah you know wake up to 20 emails um from people that really don't like what you've written um mm. which I say is often it's not it's not you <laughs> yeah um, 
or your opinions or your thoughts on things. It's just you trying to communicate what um, is happening. Yeah. Um, so I think that is probably one of the bigger or more frequent challenges. Mm-hmm. I think the other stuff, like, you know, you'll get the challenges of, of individual stories, but usually, um, you know, if, if you get a hiccup kind of on the way, to to writing a story or it's difficult they tend to be more learning curves yeah um than frequent <laughs> yeah because kind of yeah there's not really any solution to that I guess as well like, yeah you can't really overcome that I guess in a sense unless you just kind of block it out <laughs> yeah yeah which you and yeah you can but at the same time you do want to be open to to feedback it's just yeah. how you rationalize it and, and not let it make you think that you're really bad at your job mm. kind of stuff yeah I think um as well like I had on McKelly Siren um another um journalist as well and she was saying a similar thing I think because I mean her articles are a little bit different from yours in the sense that they I guess are a bit more opinionated right um, only because like it's like on you know nine honey and, and kind of mama yeah so it's more personal and she's talking about personal stories so you know having those attack um you know people attacking her as well I, I guess would be really it would hurt more, yeah yeah so I guess yeah it, it's interesting to hear that as well um and to see you know the difference between you know the people behind the scenes writing and working on these um kind of you know articles and and the way that they're kind of um you know consumed and 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 appreciated or unappreciated by Mm -hmm. I guess readers um you know I mean based on that feedback as well do you ever kind of try and change your writing style or change the things that you're writing about based off that feedback um or do you kind of just stick with with you know what you're kind of writing on because I mean I guess those kind of opinions could definitely you know affect the way that you might view your writing or what you're writing about yeah sure um yeah, it's, I think it's 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 hard to you, you've got to really try and keep perspective. Mm. Um, and so I think even with one of the HSE Year Twelve stories I wrote, recently, yeah. you know, like I got the first few emails or pieces of feedback I got um, were less less happy. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, I started really doubting it, and then just the tide turned, and I got all of this positive positive reception. Mm. Um, and it was funny because I really swayed on that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, um, not everyone is going to like what you write or agree. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, so if you think, you know, if you think you've done a fair job of, you know, seeking out a variety of, of opinion, presenting mm. facts, um, you know, backing them up um, and that, you, you know, you treated all parties fairly and you you represented what you think is you know as close to the truth as is possible yeah um then you've got to kind of stick stick strong with that and that doesn't mean yeah. that you know journalists are always right but I think if you can go back and rationalize mm. okay well I, did, I checked these boxes and I did my due diligence and I was really fair and I gave these people a response yeah um that's all you can do I didn't really. say anything that I, I had not verified exactly mm. that's all you can do um so that's kind of the the mental process that I could yeah regularly and that's where colleagues and mentors are really good right mm. um, so you know the people I work with if I'm super uncertain you know I'll go to them and I'll and I'll ask them questions and they've they've been dealing with this for 20 or 30 years yeah um so that's always really helpful as well Mm, for sure um I also you know before I move on I, mm. I did want to also you know in terms of the challenging nature of your work I guess um you know 
I, I like papers, it's, it's changing, it's evolving, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're having to kind of diversify as well. Like, you know, you don't have just straight print anymore. There's also, you know, media and, you know, online articles. Um, how do you feel about the changing nature of, of journalism and where do you kind of see it going in the future, I guess? Yeah, sure. Well, interesting because I, um, you know, I never really read the newspaper because mm. I'm, you know, in a, in a similar demographic to you whereas you know by the time I was finishing high school we were all using laptops um and and getting news online um Mm. so it feels more natural to me I do really like newspapers I think Mm. they especially you know when they're super thematic um or articles are paired really nicely together I think it's a really nice way to get your news um but at SMH at least like the online product is evolving all the time like they put so much um so many resources into, you know, getting reading feedback, improving that product. Yeah. Um, and it's quite innovative and I like that as well. Like mm. the, the, the storytelling you can do with like certain digital tools, you know, like heaps of charts or your photos or integrated mm. video. Um, and even, you know, when we started putting GIFs in the homepage, like, <laughs> that was quite, I thought that was quite cool because it's really yeah. engaging and, it, you know, it, it sells your stories in a different way mm. um, and it might sell them to a new audience. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there and that's something that I, I do like to play with, um, you know, because everything we do is for both print and online. Yeah. Um, and when you write your article, it goes, it goes to the print people who put that paper together. Um, but you personally have a little bit more kind of control um, or input into how it's presented online. Mm. So I do, yeah, I do find just the the different tools you can use, which are evolving all the time, um, can be a real asset in, um, you know, improving the experience for someone who's reading your story as well or giving them other assets to look at. I think the photography is a huge part of what we do as well. Mm. Um, so getting to, you know, put several huge photographs in an article um, online, yeah. which you can't always do in the paper. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it really spotlights that visual element to a story, mm. which can yeah. be a really important way of telling that story as well as the words. Yeah, I guess you're not as limited, I guess, to that kind of small section in a newspaper or, or like a certain section of a, of a paper. You have more freedom and, and kind of, I guess, more, yeah, assets and, and um, facets to it, which is yeah. awesome. Um, as well, I think as well, um, as you said, you know, um, SMH has um, done a great job in kind of, you know, transporting the paper to online, um, the online format as well. And I think that's kind of a testament to um, how it's still successful today. You know what I mean? Mm. Being able to to still kind of diversify it and still um, keep that kind of core element of, of good journalism and, and good stories and articles. Yeah, and I think a lot of... Um... A lot, like you know, ABC Guardian, all those kind of mm. outlets as well have have invested a lot in that space. So you can Definitely. get like really interesting, you know, data visualizations that are actually the key way that the story is told. Or sort mm. of just, like, you know, scroll yeah. photo things. I really like them. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's just fun. Yeah, um, I guess it's it's more accessible as well too. I guess as well. Yeah, to people who are more visual. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it can make a story stick with you more too or relate to the characters in the story more. Yeah, it's really important, I think, that the photography and the visual element. For sure. Love that insight. Um, mm. Very, very awesome to hear. So um, 
my next question for you is, you know, what has been the most fulfilling part of being a journalist and or education reporter? I'm sure you have quite a few stories along, you know, your time, but yeah, what's the most fulfilling part of it? Yeah, I, yeah, sure. I, and it's probably just very cliche, but I think when, you know, your stories have impact um, mm. and it's something that you've worked on and, you know, perhaps it's not a story that is obvious, but you've kind of gone out of your way to say, hey, I think this is an issue that's important and I'm going to write about it and I'm going to find yeah. a voices to talk about it. Mm. Um, and then if that resonates, you know, like I think I mm-hmm. had um, even just a couple of days, ooh, like last week, week before, um, I've been doing, in addition to education, um, you know, just some stories around Southwest Sydney and Western Sydney during the lockdown and, and look yeah. at the disproportionate impacts there. And there was one story. Um, on on housing and you know myself and the photographer went to the home of this woman and her daughter um, who just had like a tiny home um, which was someone's old pool shed and the kitchen and the bathroom were combined and they shared a bed and you know this is this is happening just 40 or 50 kilometers from the CBD Mm. Um, but the reader response to that um, you know like dozens of dozens of emails um you know, asking to donate or support the family. I think, you yeah. know, readers raised $10,000 or something to give to her. Yeah, that was, you know, awesome. and that was just us going out of our way to say, well, hey, actually, we think this is a really important story. We've heard about this woman. We want to speak to her. Um, and what a great outcome. Um, and then I think so. And also earlier this year, I did a lot of the reporting around um, the kind of school sexual assault topic. Yeah. Um, which was something that I've always, you know, been very passionate about because mm. I relate to all of that from when I was at school. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, being able to like lead a lot of that reporting and and push that story onto the agenda was a huge, huge privilege. Yeah. Um, and that was incredibly fulfilling because I certainly didn't think, um, you know, when I was in those kind of environments ten years ago, that it would ever be something that people would be talking about so openly. Mm. Um, so that's been really cool so yeah I think the little stuff the little stuff like that um is what feels what feels fulfilling and it's not every day you know um Mm. but yeah those those stories that you can kind of point to after a few months and and think that you are really proud of of the story or, or the impact that it had yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I, I, I can 100% understand how fulfilling that would be. Um, and yeah, I did read a lot of your coverage for, you know, sexual assault and, and mm. um, everything and consent reform and everything. Like yeah, that. yeah. And yeah, I think it was really impactful because, you know, these messages are getting to be, you know, amplified and these voices are being amplified when they weren't before. Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah, you know, like in high school, you know, before when, when there weren't wasn't wasn't sorry much coverage on it you know where do you turn to where do you go to kind of um be able to talk about it well um, exactly listen to you yeah yeah for sure yeah so and I think people doubt the extent to which it happens as well Mm. like even just just putting it out there as something that has affected so many people yeah um you know at least at least the individuals who might have thought that you know it was a one-off thing or they're alone or they can't quite believe what had happened mm. um, you know you can put it in that context and I think, yeah yeah that's important yeah I guess yeah definitely reading those um as well like as other survivors you know um it it would probably be really comforting to know that they're not alone in in feeling the ways that they feel as well mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. Um, so I know that amongst my listeners, um, there are several budding young journalists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what advice would you give to any um, young people that are interested in moving into, you know, similar line of work or getting into journalism? And yeah, like, sure. how would they go about that? Yeah, I think um, probably... I can only speak to what worked for me, really. Yeah. Um, so, kind of what I was saying earlier, but I would advise, and I think like what you're doing with this podcast, for example, is an awesome um, example. Thank you. Of, yeah, but it's just being innovative and it's just going for it, right? And you're getting yeah. such good practice. Um, so, if it's what you really want to do, you know, unfortunately, like the industry has shrunk or there are less jobs, I think, in the last you know, few years to yeah. a decade plus. Um, but there's still, you know, there are still openings and there are also still um, definitely like part of the thing is, is, is you know, media organisations like the SMH, like the ABC, they need to reach young people mm. um, and bring young people in as audiences. So I think that's where young journalists are actually a real asset Yeah, to these media companies as well. So you know, you can have confidence in that um, mm. and and just, you know, innovating where you can and getting as much practices as possible, whether that's through your own kind of startup ventures, like your own podcasts um, <laughs> or um, contributing and, and reaching out to, you know, your student media organisations or youth. There are also, you know, youth radio stations, youth yeah. organisations and publications. Um meeting people there or just submitting submitting ideas and pitches um, and sticking at it, I think, because you will inevitably get a lot of rejection because, you know, you're not as experienced as the people who are running these publications and, and yeah. different ideas. Um, and just because one of them doesn't fit doesn't mean it's a reflection on you. Mm. And I think that's something that I always got quite like, yeah, I, I – I, I didn't handle rejection well at the beginning, which I don't think yeah. anyone does, but you've Fair just, got, that's, that's just, it's definitely going to be part and parcel. So mm. when it happens to you, it's not any reflection on you. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, just getting as much experience as you can at the level at which is it available to you to start off with. Yeah. Um, and then um, see where you go from there. Uh, but that's definitely where I would start. It's great advice. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, um, yeah, even just hearing your own story and the way that you kind of just put yourself out there and got as involved as possible as you um, could with, you know, the resources that you had, I guess, um, is definitely a testament to how that can work for um, mm. anyone that's interested. So thank you for that. Welcome. <laughs> so um, my final question for you is, you know, where would you like to see the trajectory of your journalism career take you? Um, mm. You know, it, whether this be, you know, personally, whether this be with, you know, um, Sydney Morning Herald, where do you kind of see it going? And and it's okay if you don't have an answer for that yeah. right now as well, because um, I think that's kind of common across the board from a lot of people, you know, not knowing. Yeah, yeah. I think as well the way that like COVID has kind of shifted. Us. Yeah like a lot of your life goalposts not only mm. work um but I guess um I would like just in terms of like the more immediate things you know like trying politics one day Ooh. um work like reporting wise not, not mm. politician <laughs> <laughs> um, for prime minister <laughs> yeah exactly um reporting on politics um I think would be you know a good a good experience and um 
led you to sharpen a lot of your skill set. So that's yeah. something that I, I guess I would be working towards in the more immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, beyond that, who knows? Um, yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all changing. But I guess that that's my most short-term or my yeah. most long-term goal um, at the moment. Short-term goal is to get to the end of the year. <laughs> like all yeah. of you guys yeah <laughs> to finish this HSA and see then what's beyond that I suppose mm. yeah and I, I I really do believe that um you know this next year or so there's going to be a lot of changes um so you know the way that you know the education department deals with things and and the kind of adapting nature of I don't know maybe the curriculum or the HSC itself because you know as we've seen it doesn't it it's not perfect at the moment and um, a lot of stuff had to be changed and, and kind of adapted in this situation. So that foresight is going to definitely need to be. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, I think there are a lot of people cheering for that conversation to be had. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting um, yeah. where we end up after all this. You might have a lot more articles, yeah. of, you know, <laughs> HSC exactly. getting reformed. <laughs> yeah. 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 On our toes at least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Thank you so, so much um, for coming on today. You're an amazing guest. I really did enjoy this interview. Um, yeah, me as well. Thank you, you for a lot. inviting and, me. Yeah, incredible answers. Amazing. I'm super excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Kayla. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say good luck and good luck to um, all of your fellow students if they're listening as well. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, despite all our reporting, we, we do really empathise and we wish you all the best. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a lovely You're day. You're welcome. You too. Bye. Bye. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. A huge thank you to Natasia for taking the time to chat with me and a big thank you to you all for listening. Feel free to have a read of some of her articles on education and more via the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts to be notified of our next interview and please give us a five-star rating. Also follow us on Instagram. Our username is at the Telltale Podcast. That's at the Telltale Podcast. The Telltale Podcast is also planning to be expanded beyond a solely podcast format with our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe by following the link in our Instagram bio or by checking the description of this episode. For business inquiries, our email address is telltalemedia at outlook.com. Thank you again for listening to Natasia's Tale and we'll see you next episode for another exciting interview.